from the Mercy One Studio. Making it personal with Bishop William Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com. Welcome to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. I'm Kelly Mesher-Collins with the Diocese of Des Moines. On today's show, we're visiting with Catholic author Dan Burke, whose new book, Spiritual Warfare and the Discernment of Spirits, was released earlier this month. Dan is founder and president of the Avila Institute for Spiritual Formation and author and editor of more than 15 books on Catholic spirituality. But before we get to today's interview, let's find out what's on the bishop's mind. Good morning, Kelly. Wow, whirlwind week here, Catholic Schools Week, and so a great opportunity to connect with our different Mm -hmm. uh, school communities out Mm -hmm. there. Tuesday's Feast of St. Thomas Aquinas with the Dowling Catholic High School uh, folks, Mm -hmm. so obviously one who's the the angelic doctor kind of weds faith and reason in that beautiful way, and so the chance to to be with them on that. And Wednesday afternoon, St. Francis of Assisi School community in the afternoon, and uh, they're very lively (laughs) young people there, and so beautiful in the the spirit of St. Francis. Thursday, finally, out at St. Albert's Mm -hmm. in Council Bluffs, and they were great hosts to me, and uh, kind of uh, making welcome. I kind of want to affirm that that mm-hmm. vital uh, uh, tent peg in that community, uh, uniting the parishes there, and so uh, looking to continue to sponsor that Deacon Vernon Dobelman and all that's happening in the kind of restructuring. So uh, just good things there, promising mm-hmm. that. And today's feast of John Bosco, uh, the patron of the young, but out mm-hmm. with the Saint Teresa School community, who obviously were praying for me at the time of ordination and things. Mm-hmm. And so it was nice to kind of actually celebrate around the Lord's altar as well. Mm-hmm. I'd given the tease uh, last week about the opportunity to be with our Holy Father, Pope mm-hmm. Francis. And uh, I think uh, it was unanimous among our regent bishops that uh, he's the real deal. I mean, he just uh, spent time with us in a very uh, kind of distinct maybe from how I'm told uh, Pope John Paul and Pope Emeritus Benedict engaged, where he really just wanted to have a free-flowing conversation. And so he was there with us in his uh, uh, office there in the Papal Palace, gave us two hours and 15 minutes. And he said, this is just going to be a dialogue. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you need to get up and take a break, your guest, but this 83-year-old pontiff did not take a break. I mean, he's just energized by being with people. So it was a wide-ranging conversation, and nothing was out of bounds in terms of what we talked about. And so there were some challenging questions, but also some lighthearted moments as well. And so uh, the one bishop who asked him, does he take a day off? And he kind of beat his breast and said, oh, I am a sinner. He doesn't always get to take his day off. But I think mm-hmm. he uh, he looks for a couple hours of music, engaging friends or things, and maybe in the summer a little bit more time there. So even though, you know, he wants to be pastor to the pastors, he recognized that sometimes his zeal for his office uh, gets in the way. But we talked about uh, the life issues, the question about the preeminence of uh, defending uh, life at its earliest mm-hmm. stages and how that is kind of a, a, a linchpin for everything else that we want mm-hmm. to defend with human rights. We talked about some of the issues facing priests, uh, our great love for young people and how we might continue to animate and inspire and tap into the wisdom that young people bring in this way. Uh, we did uh, touch on the the uh, matters involving now Mr. McCarrick and the, the great mm-hmm. uh, wrenching, you know, uh, you know, kind of a wound to trust that that mm-hmm. produced. There is a report forthcoming uh, probably this summer, and so we'll look for that. But uh, that is actually being addressed, so people shouldn't doubt that that's there. Uh, I finally, as the junior bishop among everybody, uh, lobbed one at him. You know, I'd been reading about kind of his sense of the coincidence of opposites, and so I 
posed a question. I said, and Holy Father, in my former life, I was a, a philosopher. And, and so he prefaced it by saying, and again, with the help of a translator, a very capable translator going back and forth, I uh, just said, oh, you finally come down to earth then as well. <laughs> so some of you have seen the pictures on Facebook. And so that was our concluding handshake where I said, I, promi- <laughs> I promise to stay at, at, at ground level here. So uh, so Kelly, that's partly your job to, to, be, a, to be an ambassador of the Pope if you think I'm getting a little bit too uh, far removed Pull you as back well. down. <laughs> but you know he, he you know he complimented uh, the uh, you know how uh, obviously those from Latin America continue to enrich us and enrich our diocese and the the American church how is this kind of a reciprocal affair in this way so he talked about the matter of the encuentro the fifth encuentro mm-hmm. and we're continuing to unfold that and, and people within the diocese are Hispanic pastor leaders and all that's going on there so so you know great sense and he he actually talked about soul music and the kind of spirituals African American spirituals as a, a great example of where faith and cultural traditions come together. So he's in touch with, with, with us in the United States. All right, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. Hi, this is Father John Ricardo, and I want to thank Caldwell Parish Funeral Home and Crematory for underwriting Christ is the Answer. Losing a loved one, as we know, is never easy, and it can leave you feeling lost and even hopeless at times. But Caldwell Parish helps ease that burden by sincerely caring both about your loss and about your faith. Caldwell Parish Funeral Home and Crematory is Des Moines' only Catholic-owned and operated funeral home. Their number is 515-276-0551 or online at caldwellparish.com. Impoverished children break everyone's heart, but poverty seems like such a big problem. What can one person do to make a difference? For 17 years, Blessman International's passion has been to connect the resources of our donors with sustainable programs that impact the lives of impoverished children in South Africa. Our donors are feeding thousands of hungry children every week, providing basic water and sanitation for impoverished communities, and sharing the love of God in practical ways every day. Go to www.blessmaninternational.org and make your donation today. Welcome back. I'm Kelly Mesher Collins with the Diocese of Des Moines. You're listening to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. On today's show, we're visiting with Catholic author Dan Burke, whose new book, Spiritual Warfare and the Discernment of Spirits, was released earlier this month. Dan is founder and president of the Avila Institute for Spiritual Formation and author and editor of more than 15 books on Catholic spirituality. He also hosts the Divine Intimacy radio show with his wife, heard on EWTN. Yes. Good morning, Mr. Burke. Good to have you here. And uh, we've never met in person, as, but uh, just kind of learning of your background. And they're really, your Avalanche Institute really has a global footprint uh, there from uh, radiating out from Birmingham, Alabama, where you're enjoying much warmer temperatures <laughs> than we are yeah, in, Iowa. Sure. <laughs> in Iowa this week. So, so uh, yeah. I, you know, again, the, the book is not something I've been uh, blessed yet to, to read, but it's a uh, a very uh, you know provocative title and that spiritual warfare and the discernment of spirits. Uh, I, I don't know if this is, came from your family experience that you were prompted <laughs> to write. That. <laughs> but what motivated you to write this book? You're an author, very prolific, but uh, to focus in on this specific topic. There's a couple of reasons. One is uh, the difficulties in our time, the struggles in the church, and there's a lot of anxiety and unrest and uh, that and exorc- I've worked with a number of exorcists um, in the past few years, and one of the most prominent uh, in our country has noted that 
exorcisms are getting much more difficult than ever before. And, and I, so I think that there's a, a real descending challenge that we have uh, to deal with the forces of the enemy. And I, uh, I've experienced very personal, very powerful liberation from uh, difficult circumstances in my own life, and I thought it was a good time to bring forward uh, the wisdom of St. Ignatius and give people tools to deal with the challenges that we're all facing at this time. Okay, so so there's there's actual kind of evidence, if you will, that the, the tenacity of the evil one kind of gaining a foothold in people's lives and that. But uh, sometimes, perhaps, uh, you know, one of the the great, uh, I think, uh, per- lies that the evil one perpetrates is that there is no evil one, right? That, that's not. Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> that's just kind of a personification of our own uh, psyches, if you will, or the kind of the, the violence and evil that humans visit on each other. But there is a, a spiritual power and force that is personified in, in that way. So your book describes the influence the enemy has on our mind and heart and the tactics we need to combat him. Can you maybe kind of expand upon that? Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a, a handful of different perspectives I provide. One is scripture, which, of course, you know, Saint Paul reflects on this idea of taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, and he he explores this reality that the battle we face is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, and uh, arguments raised up against the knowledge of God. And so, he proposes uh, all throughout his epistles in various places this idea of, of taking every thought captive, of managing our thoughts, taking custody of our thoughts, um, and really being aggressive that when there are persistent, negative, destructive ideas that we don't just accept them, but that we fight them and replace them with the truth. So that's one perspective I provide in the book. And the other is uh, the wisdom of St. Ignatius, which is uh, very much parallel to this, but he's eminently practical, and he provides 14 rules for how we battle uh, or how we understand what's going on with the enemy and with God and how God works at various stages in our spiritual growth and how it is that we can cooperate with God and the movements of God and we can resi- identify and then resist the devil, the enemy, as he attempts to influence uh, influence us to uh, darkness, doubt, despair, and, and, and uh, narcissism. So the book explores both the biblical framework uh, provided by St. Paul and then the, uh, the Ignatian framework provided by St. Ignatius, which, and both of which are very powerful and liberating for those suffering with anxiety or just wrestling with the normal spiritual battles of our day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. So even in that kind of ordinary way, you know, not this kind of dramatic, you know, emotional uh, thing, but just the kind of affect of life and the rhythm that we go through in the course of our day. So it's not a self-help book, but a but a spirit help book uh, in that way. So looking beyond yeah, ourselves. Yeah, well said. Yeah, that uh, that that's there. So I mean, can you say more about that? What kind of things would we be attending to and tracking, both in terms of our emotions or these these kinds of thoughts? Uh, things that uh, might be yeah. there, and I'm, you know, if you want personal witness or just things that you know you've encountered uh, in others that you've uh, interacted with. Yeah, this book is really, you said something important, this book is really about the day-to-day battle. This is not about exorcisms or the extraordinary phenomena that happen in the most severe cases, though I've been involved with that, they're very rare. What isn't rare is the daily battle with uh, in our hearts and minds and the enemy tempting us to, you know, his 
his tactics are not all that uh, uh, creative. He just has two basic desires, to cause us to sin, which is a rejection of God, or to cause us division, which is a separation from others. But the St. Ignatius reveals that there are three sources of inspirations uh, that either lead us to heaven or hell. One is uh, the good spirits, of course, which are all of God, God's uh, spiritual uh, means to help us to uh, really be motivated to uh, faith, hope, and love. Mm-hmm. And then the bad spirits, which are uh, seek to motivate us, to ba- uh, inspire us to doubt, despair, and narcissism, and then ourselves, you know, our, our own strengths and weaknesses. And St. Ignatius gives you a framework where he helps us to be aware of those forces, to understand them through his 14 rules of discernment, and then to know how to act. And of course, our actions are very simple, which is to accept the inspirations of God and to reject the inspirations of the devil. So he gives us this beautiful framework and then and then very specific strategies. I'll give you one example. Mm-hmm. He, he, he notes uh, in rule number five of discernment of spirits that we should never make a change to a spiritual commitment we made while in consolation. So as an example, I'll be... Uh, on February 1st, I'll be in Hastings, uh, Nebraska, at St. Michael Church. I'll be giving a, a retreat on prayer. And so let's say somebody... Take notes, Spirit Radio people, who <laughs> are listening right. as part of our network. Out. Thank you for that shout-out. Yeah. All right, great. Yeah. <laughs> um, if someone is inspired to pray, you know, encouraged at that, at that event to take up mental prayer, well, the ne- next day I can guarantee you what's going to happen. They're going to wake up, and the enemy's going to begin to assault them and to get them to to waffle in their commitment. But uh, no matter what, in in every moment like that, we should never, when the enemy begins to press upon us and discourage us and tell us we can't keep the commitment, we can't do this good thing, we should never uh, change that commitment that we made while in consolation when we're in desolation in that second day after the event. What we should instead do, if there's a change that needs to be made, it should, it should happen when we reemerge into a state of consolation. Well, why is that? Because St. Ignatius reveals that when we're in desolation, the voice of the enemy is very loud, and the voice of God is faint. When we are in consolation, the voice of God is very strong, and the, and the work of the enemy is faint. And so we have to understand these ebbs and flows, these normal attacks that occur, and, uh, and, practice, and apply the rules of St. Ignatius to help us know how to fight the battle in specific instances like that. Yeah, because I could see someone in that situation. I'm gonna, I'm tomorrow. I'm gonna get up a half hour early and pray. I'm gonna read the Bible and yeah. pray for a half hour, and then the next day, well, well, that was kind of a romantic idea. I was kind of gushy right. on a spiritual high. Come on, let's get real here. I need to get going mm-hmm. here in that way. So it seems so subtle, and we're not really averting to the fact that there's a a, a transcendent supernatural dimension at work, mm-hmm. kind of in our own thought processes. And is that uh, exactly? Does that capture as yeah, well? And it, and this plays out, of course, in, in your room as well. I mean, I've, I've had someone r- tell me that right before ordination, you know, they had gone all through the formation and all through uh, the work to prepare for their holy orders. And right before ordination, the devil just came on them to tell them, you have no right to be, you know, you have no right to be a priest. You have, you're not holy enough, you know, questioning whether or not God really called the person you know, and, and working with seminarians, I find this is fairly common, that the enemy is constantly trying to point out their sins to them, point out their unworthiness, 
you know, get in their way. And, and uh, we all, no matter what our state in life is, that's the way the enemy works, is to keep us discouraged from moving forward in, in things that would draw us more deeply uh, into relationship with God or to goodness or to holiness. And, uh, and the good spirits are always trying to do the exact opposite. So we need to, we need to learn to tune our hearing, our listening to those voices and then know what to do about them. Uh, I would just echo that in my privilege of walking with seminarians and things, more at the uh, college level than the theologate prior to ordination, but even there directing some research. It's that, yeah, what could be an occasion of deepening humility and ultimate dependence on God uh, can become a kind of cocktail, spiritual cocktail for uh, desolation, discouragement, fear, Mm -hmm. and and a kind of a shrinking away from the very thing that God is inviting a man to to give his life over in that way. So I think that that, and that happens. I think that happens for people in all sorts of walks. Who am I to be doing this? You know, you know, you know, we're, as one priest said, dung on a stick, you know, in that way, you know, that that kind of sense there. But, and I think even, you know, you know, obviously we're talking about all vocations, marriage and and others, but I, I know priests, I think even can be beset by temptation on a regular basis and hopefully are attuned to that, that as they go into a weekend, they can become agitated, distracted, you know, many different things besetting them and coming at them. And I think just the evil one just kind of wants to rattle their cage a little bit and get them so that they're not, you know, operating from that core piece of being present to the Lord in their ministry as they both proclaim and, and celebrate the, the saving mysteries in that way. Do you, do you encounter an Ignatius or Paul where sometimes under the guise of good that we can be maybe exuberant about something, but that that can be actually a deception of the evil one under the under the kind of a wrappings of, oh, isn't this a great thing, you know, and we kind of get yeah. intoxicated with that. Is that also present? Yeah, there's a, the first rule is, is an example of that in a way, uh, probably not exactly what you're aiming at, but it says that for those going from mortal sin to mortal sin, the enemy proposes the delights of the sin and gives a kind of a false peace to keep you in the sin, whereas the, the good spirits actually prick and bite your conscience and make you very, very uncomfortable. And so that's one example. Another example is in the, actually, the, it's not in my book, in this book, but the second rules of Ignatius, which are for more, someone who's more advanced, he will propose uh, goods that are not God's will, right? So, uh, you know, a great example is like a priest, who, a parish priest who has the gift of, you know, speaking and teaching, who may, but his primary vocation is a parish a diocesan priest, and he keeps getting requests and requests, and there's all this good fruit, but then it begins to deteriorate his, you know, primary vocation as a parish priest. Or another example might be a mother whose vocation is to be a spouse and a mother of a handful of kids, and she keeps being asked to do things at the parish that are good and holy, but that then begins to deteriorate relationship, let's say, with her husband or her children. So the enemy will, will use good, as you note, uh, to tempt us, and, but he'll also use feeling, things that make us feel good, which can be sin to tempt us. So the secret is knowing these tactics and not allowing, you know, you mentioned the seminarian or the priest who's beset with this, this difficult uh, these feelings, recognizing that not all the thoughts in our head are ours or emotions, and we shouldn't listen to them. We have to know which ones are really from outside, and it's very liberating for people to, re- to learn this and realize it, because then they make simple acts of faith to Christ to, in the name of Jesus, rejecting, renouncing, 
And suddenly the desolation lifts, and we realize, wow, this wasn't just about me and my thoughts and my emotions. This was actually an attack. And when you learn how to fight, it becomes very, it's very encouraging because then you're not constantly subject to all of these temptations. At least you're not as weak as when you didn't know how to fight and you were just being manipulated uh, each moment. Oh, that's some uh, rich practical wisdom. Two things you've said, and we've got about a minute and a half left here, and I just want to make a touch on that, is that even as professional ministers or as parish communities, we can be enablers of this in a way that we, we capitalize on people. And as you said, we can draw people away from their primary vocations within their families and households. But say, oh, yeah, you can do this and you can do this and this. And suddenly they're spending 60% of their time you know, at the parish and 40% of their time back with their families in this way. And so right. I think it's something that we can be, have to be wary of abetting this kind of tendency there. You know, and again, not because it's intrinsically evil, but it's just something that gets exploited in that way. Um, could you, uh, I think, uh, you know, the sense then, of the, the, the title of the book, then, Spiritual Warfare, but if we get preoccupied and are kind of going, you know, with our kind of defenses on, I mean, I obviously we want to pray St. Patrick's Breastplate or other prayers like that, but can preoccupation with this kind of the devil and everything else? I mean, I once uh, spiritual counsel not to turn our attention directly to the devil, but as you said, make acts of faith and hope and love toward the, the, the Lord himself. And we've got about 30 seconds left, so I'm sorry I haven't left you much time here. <laughs> no, 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 you're, you're right. There can be an overkill on this, and that's why I think we need to stick with Scripture and stick with the wisdom of the saints where we have a real balanced approach, and that's what I pr- tried to provide in Spiritual Warfare and the Sermon of Spirits is, is a very practical view and, and not one that's overboard and focused on the enemy, but really focused on what it means to be liberated and walk in the in the joy and peace that Jesus uh, paid the price for and promises to us. Oh, thank you for the, the great resource you provided to us. That Again, the book of Spiritual Warfare and the Discernment of Spirits. Thank you, Mr. Burke, for spending time with us today, and God bless your family you, and Bishop. your ministry. All right, thank you. Thank you. We're going to take Bye-bye. a quick break. Thank you, Blessment International, for their support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Everyone lives their life 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. How we use that time directly affects if our life will leave a significant impact or not. Each year, Blessment International leads Central Iowans on a 12-day, all-inclusive experience sharing the heart of Christ with children in South Africa. Teams are forming to do something significant in an African child's life. Learn more at BlessmentInternational.org. That's BlessmentInternational.org. Thank you, Big Red Q Quick Print, for underwriting the sports report. Family owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full service print shop ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design, and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall. Online at bigredq Des Moines.com. Big Red Q Quick Print. We make printing easy. Welcome back. I'm Kelly Mesher Collins with the Diocese of Des Moines. Great interview. It was, and I still got me kind of ruminating on some of the things that he said there. I think this sense that the the evil one kind of, you know, is not all that creative, kind of has a stock uh, tool tool chest anyway. I remember C.S. Lewis talking about the way that the evil one just kind of anesthetizes us, you know, and he says the, the road to hell, the journey to hell is kind of like being on this bus, 
with the blinds drawn, you know, and we're just kind of there, kind of just hanging out, not really aware, mm-hmm. you know. We've kind of been lulled into this kind of sense of, well, what does it really matter anyway? And mm-hmm. so in the ordinariness of our lives that, you know, we're not really attuned to the, the spiritual dynamics. And, mm-hmm. and then perhaps, you know, uh, we can kind of with our preoccupation with social media and other things, and I'm not mm-hmm. trying to rail against social mm-hmm. media here, but that if we're just kind of looking, you know, lovers of sights and sounds, mm-hmm. but not really attuned to, you know, that our a- affective lives. And the great loneliness that people experience, mm-hmm. too, and they're trying to fill that mm-hmm. rather than with God's word, with engagement with, mm-hmm. with Jesus and things in this way. The other technique, obviously, is the kind of preoccupation with the devil, you know, and that we kind mm-hmm. of distract ourselves in such a way that we become, you know, obsessed, if you will, and the evil one can just kind of hang back, mm-hmm. you know, in that way. So, mm-hmm. when, you know, in my experience with spiritual direction, we would not, you know, dwell a lot, but mm-hmm. we were we were not oblivious either in this way as well. So I'm glad to hear that Scripture and the the, the great wisdom of Saint Ignatius plays into that, and obviously the Jesuit tradition. Uh, they're the kind of uh, authors of so much, but the Jesuits, uh, in terms of Catholic education, obviously there as well. And you've got a little a tidbit for us, right, with our good yes. fr- Jesuit friends at Fordham University. Yes, Alex Trebek, obviously what? <laughs> Jeopardy. <What>? Yeah. <laughs> he was awarded by you, Fordham. You have to frame this as a question, then, right? <laughs> <laughs> what is Fordham University? <laughs> what is Fordham? <laughs> Vince Lombardi, right? The alma mater. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So he, along with his wife, Jean, accepted Fordham University's Founders Award. Uh, it's a top honor for individuals who have dedicated their careers to wisdom and learning in the service of others. Um, they accept, accepted the award. It's a 20-pound statue of the Jesuit institution's founder, Archbishop John Hughes. So can just oh, the famous Archbishop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so he, um, uh, let's see. So he... Uh, Talked to the, the priest who um, is the president of the university called Trebek the nation's school teacher um, and that he has impressive character. Mm-hmm. Alex Trebek's son Matthew graduated from Fordham University with a degree in philosophy. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. There we go. In 2013. But then he went on to open two restaurants in Harlem. So um, In Harlem. There okay. we go. Yeah. Marvelous. And um, yeah, so Trebek established a scholarship fund to help students. From Harlem, attend Fordham University. Wow. Those who couldn't afford what it. A great philanthropist. And of course, our prayers are with Alex Trebek and his own right. health struggles with cancer, mm-hmm. which has mm-hmm. recurred and uh, mm-hmm. made their God's will be done but, uh, to the greater glory of God, as the Jesuits would say. But mm-hmm. uh, we would want healing for him as well. And so, uh, restaurants and things, uh, kind of stream of consciousness here, Kelly. But that uh, time when I was in Rome, we kind of seen the San Egidio community there in the vicinity. Yes. And uh, the church was set up midday as though it were a soup kitchen. So, tables and and spread throughout the nave of the church, a beautiful oh, way, and uh-huh. homeless people could come. And I thought, what a marvelous convergence of what the Eucharist is all about mm-hmm. and what we're called to be as, as the body of Christ, feeding mm-hmm. others in that way. Uh, you're attentive to some others, sure, I understand. Sure, yeah. So there's a parish in Rome, um, not far from the Pantheon, that's opened its doors 24 hours a day. It's um, you know a new homeless shelter. It's the Church of the Stigmata of St. Francis, uh, like I said, near the Pantheon. And um, they're, they're uh, you know, making themselves available to people who are in need. The church offers restrooms, laundry room, daily breakfast to some 200 people. And uh, I think the, the, it just continues to grow. Wow. And um, they're serving those in need. I imagine Pope Francis is happy to support that through his uh, right-hand man, the papal almoner, who's the one who kind of mm-hmm. dispenses some of the charitable works as well. So so we mentioned the Lombardi Trophy, uh, Lombardi, Vince Lombardi, uh, Super Bowl Sunday coming right. up here. You got uh, any wagers down <laughs> yes, on, well, on, on gonna, the Chiefs or the 49ers? We're going for the Chiefs. You're going for the Chiefs. All right, good for the Midwest. <laughs> yeah. Temper, red and gold, Iowa State, red and gold, and then just got to keep the tradition going. Yeah. Oh, so 
you're Red you're gold. you're, you're color consistent then as well. <laughs> oh, Any sense who Pope Francis season. might be rooting for? Uh, yes. So recently at the the ad limina, one of the bishops, a, a seminarian, gave him by um, Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback of the Kansas wow. City Chiefs. So Must have been a Kansas City St. Joe seminarian. So is. yeah, the great sports fan of the Pope. Well, thank you, Kelly. It's been another great show. You can hear Making It Personal with Bishop William Joneson every week on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com.